0: days of buying victories with free agents and hoping that spending big money and throwing big money out at big names it's a thing of the past there's always
1: tension between the players and the owners as early as 1890s the players started their own
0: players league so players and management differences are nothing new
2: well i think both fans are excited because they finally have a direction that's been clear-cut now for a year and the other sports uh, are in the midst of their own rebuilding, as you mentioned. And every sport has sort of a different dynamic. In basketball, you can you, you can probably do it quicker. It's, it's more um, of a process where you have to bottom out. And I think they did that. I, I think the worst is probably over. Dylan Cease is a kid. Saw a video of him last year around this time. And I, I saw a video, a clips of him in, in some games, a small sample size in a ball. He was in an able. And I said, this kid looks pretty good. I like the way he looks. He gave me a good feel. You know, mechanically, he looked good. He threw his pitches, had a good body, a lot of good things, attributes, assets, gifts that he has. That's the question is whether or not he really is going to be the franchise quarterback that they believe he will be. I was wondering at first if he was able to be either coach, like take the friendships away for a little bit. And they're still all going to be friends and everything. And they all have those relationships. But it's a new relationship now with Ross being the manager. It proves why they brought in Ross. Ross has done a lot different than what Madden would do. As the season's gone on, and right now what I'm thinking is the Cubs front office did a great job bringing him in.
1: So, you know, we always talk about whenever we get asked this question. You know, we, stand, we say how we love Melissa in the sense that Melissa was somebody that we all knew for years prior. So, you know, it was hard having her leave, but once Leah came, I mean, it was amazing. It was a whole new vibe. It's, you know, we're, we're trying to win a championship here, and we know Leah's going to get us there. Obviously, with the way that the offseason has been going and $300 million contracts being handed out left and right, can't really say $75 million is too, too much money in that perspective, but it is still the most money in total contracts given out to a free agent in White Sox history. So it's it's weird that it's coming off of them saying that they weren't going to spend any money, that they end up spending the most money that they ever have. But, you know, it kind of makes you think that in the future, if other things are going well, if they're playing good baseball, maybe they can extend that out. Maybe they can hand out a $300 million
0: contract. It's a positive season because you answered your biggest question, and that was whether or not you actually had a quarterback for the long term, and you do in Justin Fields. Now it's about finding that supporting cast that can really help bring out the best in him, and you already have some guys who can help him do that. And you have some guys on defense that can be effective as well. But you have to really make the most of the cards you're dealt with this offseason.
1: Hey, this is Nate Jones. Hey, everyone, it's Luke Stuckmeyer. This is Neil Doyle. Hey, what's going on? This is Mark Grody, the official Chicago Bears sideline reporter from 670 to score. An ISU Redbird alum.
2: Hey, everybody, it's Marcus Grant.
1: Hey, this is Alex Dollinger. Hey, Redbirds, it's Leah Johnson.
2: This is Mark Shenowski. It's Now time. It's
1: now time. It's now time for the fifth quarter sports talk.
2: It's Will's fifth quarter special. And here's your host, Will
3: Farlow. Welcome into the 70th episode of a sports podcast that captures everything you want to know as a buzzer sounds at the end of any sports game. It's Will Farlow here with you on December 21st, 2022, welcoming listeners to the 70th episode of Will's. 5th quarter special. I'm your host for this special edition of the 5th quarter sports talk. It's not just our 70th episode, but it's also our 5 year anniversary. Happy 5th birthday to Will's 5th quarter special. Will's 5th quarter special fans here. It's a very exciting day for this 5th quarter sports talk show right now. We're very excited to make it to 5 years and hopefully many more years to come. So, Happy 5 years Will's 5th quarter special. And we're going to have some really good content for fans today. We're going to get started by mentioning Wilson Fifth Quarter Trivia, and that's the usual opening segment for the show. It is not going to be taking place until the new year in 2023, so continue to check our social media for updates of when that day will come. And we hope you'll tune in the future Will's 5th Quarter Trivia questions. Also check out our social media for how Will's 5th Quarter Trivia is done. You can also see how it's done in our walkthrough videos on our YouTube channel. Just type in Will's Quarter Special YouTube, subscribe for free, and you can check it all out. Now we're going to head into the first interview portion of the show, and it's Nick Landy. He was uh, our guest for this afternoon's edition of the 5th Quarter Sports Talk to talk Chicago Bears with us here on Episode 70. We talked about Justin Fields, a lot of the other Bears players on fans' minds right now, and we talked about whether we thought there was good development, and we also talked about what we might want to see them add, possibly. And, you know, like Nick makes a unique prediction to this Bears team, uh, like how Ryan Poles approaches trades and stuff and what they could do. He has a really unique comparison to a historic trade. I'm not going to say what it is yet, but you got to check it out in the interview. So here is my interview with Nick Landy, Nick Landy. You've been on the show before. Um, that's definitely why we brought you back. Uh, you've done a pretty good job when you've been on will score special, which is why you are on the fifth anniversary edition. We are at episode number 70, uh, this afternoon on, uh, this snowy Wednesday here, but might be different over there. um, First, man, how you doing? Well, happy holidays to you and uh thanks for coming on, man.
0: Thank you for having me. Yeah, I, I never thought I'd be on the fifth anniversary show. Do I get a trophy for being on that?
3: Uh we don't do the trophies. It's kind of just a good merits type um. thing. <laughs>
0: All right, I'll I'll settle for that. <laughs>
3: I mean, that's how most sports are uh with athletes today. So uh broadcast guys don't get trophies that often or reporters. So <laughs> we're we're just keeping it low key like that. <laughs> um <laughs> but it's good to hear you're doing well. Um and the Bears now, I think this is the best way to start it. The Bears yes are fourth in the NFC North. Uh 3 and 11 record, but Give me kind of your, I mean, you and I talked about it off, off site here, you know, about the Bears throughout the year, how we kind of had our each our own expectations, you know, mine being more this was kind of a development type year to see where these young players go. What has been your feeling of the Bears so far this year, and maybe how is your view of say Justin Fields and what we're seeing change for the? Uh, your view of this team currently?
0: Well, going into this season, the one big question pretty much every Bears fan, including myself, had was Was Justin Fields the guy? Was he the franchise quarterback we've been waiting for for decades now? Um, because again, you know, I know Jay Cutler was a quote unquote franchise quarterback, but um, he wasn't the solution to their problem. So was he really the first true reliable? franchise quarterback the bears would have since jim mcmahon in the 80s that was really the only question we all had heading into the season because we knew this team was not going to win many games i thought this team would still have more wins than they do now but that was really the only the only question was how good was Justin going to do? Was he going to prove that he was going to be the franchise quarterback? And thankfully, I think he has proven to be the franchise quarterback that this team has been waiting for, for a long time. And now it's really just a matter of keeping him healthy, um, making sure he can get through these last games. uh, Just okay. I know we had a little bit of a scare with his leg in uh, the Eagles game on Sunday, but thankfully he was able to return uh, to finish the game there. Um that's really been about it. I, you know, I'm really happy. Again, he's not, I don't think he's reached his reach is full potential. There's still a lot of room for improvement for him, but he has taken the step forward that I think we wanted to see him take. And I think getting someone like Chase Claypool at least proves that, you know, A, you're taking a chance on a guy who also has a high ceiling in Chase Claypool but hasn't gone there yet. But at minimum, it shows that Ryan Poles does believe in uh, Justin Fields and that he's willing to invest in him moving forward. And now it's just looking at a, what other guys from this team can you rely on long-term, you know, is Jalen Johnson a long-term solution at cornerback? Do you want to keep guys? Do you want to keep guys like Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker around? Is Jack Sanborn as good of a linebacker as he is really shown to be, uh, during this season, since he stepped in for Roquan Smith. So it's evaluating those guys throughout the next few weeks. And then this offseason will be very interesting to see what Ryan polls does between the draft picks and all the cap space he will have to work with.
3: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned players like Jack Samworn. I have to be honest, I'm a Fields fan. Mooney, of course, you know, Cole Komet, you know, being a hometown player has looked pretty good. Uh, just kind of answering what you were talking about in development with this team. Um, I do think the coaching staff fits pretty well. Um, You know, Luke Getze, I think and fields fit pretty well together, hand in hand, they're letting fields kind of do what he can do. You know, most coaches are pretty good at men meshing that well with their quarterbacks, but we're both hometown guys like Jack Sanborn. How cool of a story is it that an undrafted player like Jack Sanborn has made this type of an impact as a rookie? You know, it seems like they are going to, develop in the draft and free agency with that large cap space, better defense and support for Justin Fields. But Nick, you got to be honest with me on this one. Um Jack Sanborn being a hometown kid and doing what he's doing is a pretty cool story for this developing Bears team right now
0: on the defensive side. It's great because he saw an opportunity and he's made the most of it. I mean it's something we can all look up to and admire because I think in all of our lives, we've uh, had a situation like what he's dealt with where we had an opportunity to really take advantage of and make the most of it that, you know, impacted our careers. And he's found that. And I've been pretty happy with what I've seen from him again, uh, with that being uh, a really premium position, we'll see if Ryan pulls is willing to stick with him or if he'd rather invest on a more proven player, um, Again, there's so many holes. I think he'll give Sanborn time to develop even more. But, no, I've been happy with him. And just uh, watching, again, some of these younger guys uh, try to prove themselves. And, again, I think they're going to be able to take a step forward next season. And I'm excited to see what other players Ryan pouls gets to pair up with them and see how they mesh with this group of players.
3: Yeah, just to let Wills with course, Special fans know, there are some injuries to report. There have been some positive updates as of uh yesterday on December twentieth. So we're gonna go uh Nick with the updates we have from yesterday, uh Tuesday the 20th. Um Trevin Wesco, tight end, is questionable. He was listed as a non participant. Claypool, who has been dealing with a knee injury and recovering. Uh, was limited in practice yesterday, so that's positive progress towards uh, Saturday's gameplay. Uh, Whitehair, Vildor, Reef, Jones are questionable. Uh, Sam Bourne, who we just talked about, is uh, being placed on injured reserve yesterday, so his season ends, but he, uh, as we talked about, had some positives uh, throughout the season. Uh, Tevin Jenkins is questionable as well as Equinemius St. Brown. So Nick, just looking at the weather uh, that's going to be in Chicago this weekend, I mean, talk about some uh, white Christmas type weather. I mean, it's blizzard conditions coming up here in the next few days in the windy city. And they're saying it could be possibly tying for the coldest bears game in history. So uh, what do you think of that in terms of, classic bear stories and playing in the snow like what do you find interesting about that and uh in a Justin Fields run game on Saturday
0: wouldn't happen any other way especially knowing that uh in a few years we could be seeing this team playing indoors so this might be one of the last times we get to see this team play in a big snow game at Soldier Field and Again, I'm excited for it and I know Buffalo Bills fans will be excited for it. And with it being a snow game, it will be um it will be a lot of it will be um um it will be a lot of emphasis on the run game for both teams. And you got two really effective dual threat quarterbacks in Justin Fields and Josh Allen, who I'm sure will be taking the ball and carrying it a lot uh throughout the game and trying to make plays uh by themselves and also rely on their running backs um but again i'm sure especially the bills will still try to get some of those big passes so the bears still have to be prepared for that on the defensive end and again justin has to see if he can try to take advantage of the conditions with the passing game as well again it's gonna i'm sure it's going to be somewhat slippery at least on the field there so you got to see if maybe you could try to find a way to get your receivers to break free from their defenders see if you can get them to slip and Hit them for a big pass that could get those big chunk plays that um those uh big chunk plays that can really make a difference uh in a game.
3: Big chunk plays. I like that term, Nick. That's definitely a good, unique use of it. Uh last question while we have you here. Now, a lot of Bears fans are going to take what they've seen this year in different ways. Hey, it's a rebuild, it is what it is, they're not as good, but they'll get better. Or I think you and I are taking the positive side as many bears fans are luckily that there's positive development and this, it it shows this team has a bright future, you know, with, you know, front office coaching staff, there's a lot of positives as well that we have a franchise quarterback now. So kind of thinking in that remark at this stage of the year, three weeks left tanking to try and get the high draft pick right now. Would you say this development season has been a positive for the future or would you say it still needs improvement to be seen as a positive when looking back on this current season we're in right now and what we've seen?
0: It's a positive season because you answered your biggest question and that was whether or not you actually had a quarterback for the long-term and you do in Justin Fields. Now it's about finding that supporting cast that can really help bring out the best in him. And you already have some guys who can help him do that. And you have some guys on defense that can be effective as well, but you have to really make the most of the cards you're dealt with this off season and really find some guys that are going to be there long-term that will really be game breakers for you that are going to help you win these close games that they've been losing, uh, pretty much all season that are going to help Justin finish that last drive and get that late touchdown that will make the difference between a win and a loss. So it's ultimately a positive and I'm really excited to see what happens this off season. It's going, it could be a franchise changing offseason for the bears. And I think in a good way, I hope it doesn't end up being a bad off season. I hope it ends up being the equivalent of when after, um, The Cowboys in the late 80s traded Herschel Walker to the Minnesota Vikings and got all those draft picks in return. They got guys like Emmitt Smith and Michael Irvin and basically used those picks to build the Cowboys teams of the 90s that went on to win three Super Bowls during that decade and were one of the best teams in in the NFC throughout that decade. I'm hoping the Bears can do something like that and end up becoming one of the teams to beat in the NFC for a long time.
3: Well, Nick, as we are this holiday season, Christmas is coming up, so it is a pleasure that you joined us on this fifth anniversary uh, of Will's Fifth Course Special, episode 70. Uh, you, you did a great job. We appreciate your support as we do so many others this holiday season supporting Will's Fifth Course Special from its start to where it is now and We want to wish you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year uh, from all of us here at Will's 5th Quarter Special.
0: Happy Holidays to you and everyone at Will's 5th Quarter Special. Congratulations on your 5th anniversary. Here's to five more years and then some. And thanks for having me on. I'm always glad to be a part of the show.
3: Host Will Farrell here on Episode 70. Really good insight there by Nick Landy. And it just shows the Chicago Bears have a lot of potential potential uh, for growth, they have a few games left here. And we talked about that snowy game that's coming up here on Saturday. And it's going to probably set a record the way the snowstorm's going to be. So I definitely think it'll be interesting um, to see what happens. Uh, Nick had a really good prediction about it. So uh, we'll see what happens. Game is Saturday for Chicago as they face the Buffalo Bills. Now we're going to head into the second interview. Yes, surprise, Willis. Of course, Best Fans, not one, but two. Guests, Isaac Missile is our next guest here on episode 70 of the Will of the Quarter Sports Talk. And we're talking Chicago White Sox baseball. Yes, Will Score Quarter Special fans, the White Sox did make some moves recently. It was about time uh, in the eyes of White Sox fans. And Isaac helps me talk about the moves that have already taken place. Mike Clevenger, Victor Reyes, Andrew Benintendi, a few other small minor moves. We talk about how each player fits with this roster how it impacts his team in the right way moving forward, and what other moves they might make. We talk about trade rumors that are out there, and we give a lot of our takes on that. So, here on episode seventy, talking the Chicago White Sox with me, here is Isaac Missile.
2: Isaac Missile, back on Will's fifth quarter special. Here with us, Wilson Quarter Special fans on episode seventy. Not just any episode, but the fifth anniversary marks five years now of your fifth quarter sports talk at Wilson Core Special. Isaac, welcome back, man. How you doing today?
1: Doing good, Will. Doing good. Happy to be back.
2: Yeah, we're glad to have you back, man. So the last time you were on with us covering the White Sox, now if Wilson Core Special fans don't remember, they definitely needed to go look at the recent White Sox episodes when you were on with us earlier this year. We we're ta- You mentioned how the White Sox needed to make some changes, and you looked forward to coming on when they did. What do you think of what you've seen so far? I know we were talking about it before coming on here, but they at least did a little bit more than, I believe you said, more than you expected.
1: Yes. Uh, you know, I think it's funny. I was just thinking about that, too. It was uh, the trade deadline, right? And you were talking about moves they could have made. And I think you might have even mentioned the guy that uh, they just signed in, Ben Attendee, and... You know, it's funny if you think back to it. It's nice that you don't have to necessarily give up any prospect capital at all to get them. The season was kind of lost. It's, it's funny, though, then it brings up the point I remember I made towards the end. is like, hey, well, if you're not going to make the playoffs, you might want to trade off, and they could have got a prospect for Johnny Cueto this offseason. might be looking pretty nice. You maybe flip that prospect for somebody better. Either way, they got their guy. They spent money. I think it's funny because they said they couldn't spend any money. And, you know, I don't think, seven, obviously, with the way that the off season has been going and $300 million contracts being handed out left and right, you can't really say $75 million is too, too much money in that perspective. But it is still the most money in total contracts given out to a free agent in White Sox history. So it's it's weird that it's coming off of them saying that they weren't going to spend any money, that they end up spending the most money that they ever have. But, you know, it kind of makes you think that in the future, if other things are going well, if they're playing good baseball, maybe they can extend that out. Maybe they can hand out a $300 million contract. I think that's the big question every White Sox fan's waiting to see. And hopefully they have a guy that they can produce and, you know, eventually give that contract too. If a guy like Luis Robert or Eloy Jimenez can hit their potential and peak, that'd be nice. But, you know, it's, it's. I'm happy that they spent some money. It's kind of lightened my mood on the whole situation. I'm not necessarily eager for the team. I think if they can get rebounds going into next year, things can look different, but we can get into that as they go. Uh, ben and Tandy signing, though, I can't help but be happy about it.
2: No, 100%, man. I don't know how many times on the podcast I mean, we're talking about past content here. That was the trade deadline episode. Uh, but there's a number of times fans can count the Will Secor Special, I've mentioned Ben Intendi as someone I'd love to see on the White Sox. Uh, let's break down the players from before Ben Intendi, though. As we mentioned there was Mike Clevenger and a yeah. Victor Reyes minor league deal. So let's let's get your takes on uh, Mike Clevenger and what, what that first move, what do you think he can bring to rotation that Need to file Johnny
1: Quato kills. You know, it's, it's still a scary signing. It would have definitely been upsetting if that was the only move they would have made this offseason now that it looks like it's going to be their uh, high end gamble. You know, it's nice because I think at the same time it's got about the same potential I would say as a guy like Cody Bellinger does to have on your team. Bellinger's not really been great the last few years, so he's still 28. There's people that think you can get him to look like an MVP, but uh i'm not quite sure that's ever going to come back and get a guy like clevenger who costs not a significant less amount of money but does cost less money um and can fill a hole in your rotation and if he can stay healthy though he's had two tommy john surgeries uh if he can stay healthy and just kind of even it's weird he'd like to think he can make his numbers better than last year but petco is obviously a lot better of a pitcher's parts and guaranteed rate is, so there's no real logical reason for you to believe that his numbers are going to get significantly better. But if he can pitch better, if Ethan Katz can have like a similar uh, effect on him that he's had on guys like Johnny Cueto, Carlos Redon, uh then yeah. yeah, maybe then we can definitely get excited about this especially if he's going to end up being the four because I saw a projected rotation, it does make sense Cease one, Lynn two because Lynn ended up kind of finishing out his season pretty strong last year. G. can bounce back. It's a great three. That's a guy that you thought was going to be or was your game one starter just a year ago? So you know you <laughs> you got to be pretty happy. Or I guess no, that was Lynn, That was the game one starter. But was your game one starter in twenty uh, twenty in in Oakland? Um, you know that's a, that's a guy that if he's at your three and getting back to his peak potential because he's still very young in his process and still in the arbitration process. So you know pitching for his pay at this point. Yeah, if Clevenger can come out and be a decent four, which I think he was probably about where he was on the Padres last year by the end of the season, yeah, and you know, it really can't hurt you, you know. Ultimately, he's got to stay healthy. And if Kopech, obviously, rounding out your rotation at five, can start to hit the potential that we think he could have too, yeah, you know, the starting rotation that was really not re- even the weak spot of the team last year does seem to potentially get stronger. You know, qu- ultimately, if you're going to – replace the guy last year, though, that is in Clevenger's role in Johnny Cueto. Well, I don't know if he's going to be as good as Johnny Cueto was last year. And, you know, I don't think Johnny Cueto is going to be as good this year as he was last year. I'm not saying you should necessarily, even given the amount of money he gave to Clevenger to Cueto, that would probably be a risky play. Cueto could be a guy that could end up having the season like he did the last couple of years with the Giants. So it's it's a risky one. It's not something that I mean. it's not as confidence-building as, you know, giving – doing what the Mets did and giving $90 million to Verlander. Hopefully he can stay healthy, but Verlander seems to be one of those guys that's aged really well. He's always been one of those guys as he goes deeper deeper into ball games that he pitches better. So it feels like this is only making sense as he gets deeper into his career that he's kind of sustaining where he's at. He's had his injuries. He's kind of built himself through that. He had a great season last year, obviously, as a Cy Young winner. Uh, You know, so it's uh, – it's not the most confidence-building move, but I think it's as good as you're going to get there if we're talking exclusively Clevenger, yeah.
2: Yeah, I like him. I think hearing his interview, uh, if you guys aren't fans of White Sox Talk Podcast, shout out to them and Chuck Geithine. Um, We're big fans of them over here at Will Score Special. Uh, they did some really cool stuff with um, Clevenger, and he was asked, you know, how do you feel about facing Cleveland? And hearing White Sox fans should love what he said about wanting to face the Guardians again and just to shove it down their faces. Um, to paraphrase in proper uh, SEC appropriate words there. Uh, I'm going to yeah. touch Isaac on the next player briefly here, and then we'll get to uh, Intendi Victor Reyes, I think, was an interesting minor league move. Um, you know, you lose a guy like Adam Engel, um, you need to fill that spot. Now, it is somebody that will still have to make the, the major league club. You know, he didn't only get the minor league deal, but I think it's definitely interesting, um, his switch-hitting ability. I mean, the Sox have seen what he did against them when he was with Detroit. So, um, real quick on Victor Reyes, do you think he is a good minor league-type signing for the White Sox that could, even before Ben Tendi, use some outfield depth?
1: Yeah, you know, obviously, I think with one of the issues the White Sox had last year was having too many first-base DH-types in the outfield i think they want to make sure especially with new literal with a new literal manager i think they're going to be even more keen on preventing that type of stuff from happening i don't think you're going to want to see Gavin Sheets pretty much at all in the outfield Uh, you're probably going to see hopefully less than five games from Andrew Vaughn in the outfield and emergency situations, Sunday lineups, if Andrew Vaughn's hitting well and you want to keep him in the lineup and you don't whatever the situation might be, but obviously it feels like if Gavin is going to be able to hit his potential as a full-time DH, he's going to be in the DH role and Andrew Vaughn is going to be where he's at with Jose Abreu being with the Astros, so a guy like Victor Reyes I think does actually end up getting a a spot that opens up, you say Adam Angle, A.J. Pollock is another guy that's not going to be in this outfield, it doesn't feel like with the of Benintendi they're going to want to even see Aloy in the outfield out out there as much which obviously means you know that kind of takes and that's that's where I feel like you you if Gavin Sheets is hitting potentially you'll see him play some left field if you can move Benintendi around obviously I think I to want to keep Benintendi in left I think this is where we're all I'm, I might me personally is getting almost confused with the management style. Tony La Russa, obviously we haven't seen what Pedro Grifols is going to do yet, but it already feels like it's going to be a little bit more of a consistent everyday lineup, getting guys comfortable in, the, in a modern baseball setting is you see a lot of good teams doing at least your better players playing in consistent spots on consistent days, moving everybody else around, which obviously that's where Reyes comes into play. And, you know, uh, it depends on the depth it. it also hope hopefully injuries do not bother them as much as they have the last years otherwise Victor Reyes is probably easily going to be playing uh 50 plus ball games for the ball club and you know it also depends what Larry Garcia looks like if you can trade him and you know there's been there speculations of Garcia for McCann because two teams trying to get rid of players that they don't want and the Mets could use a utility guy Sox could use a catcher if, you know Yasmani is going to have to end up playing DH you know, more often times than not are playing first base more often times than not. So, because you're not necessarily excited about Sebby Zavala catching 100-plus games either. But, who knows, you give a guy an opportunity. Either way, if this is going to be a playoff team, depth in positions like the outfield is going to be nice with actual outfielders instead of first basemen, I would say, Will.
2: So, yeah, just the small minor league uh, moves we have to mention to Will score special fans. The White Sox did bring in a few catchers. As Isaac was mentioning, they could use some more help in the catching position. They brought in catcher Sebastian Riviero, who is very familiar during his time in the Royals under uh, Pedro Griffel when Griffel was their bench coach. Catcher Xavier Fernandez, and then a pitcher familiar with Easton Cats, who we've seen work wonders on pitchers like Carlos Rodon, Dylan Cease, and so forth, bringing in Nick Avila from the Rule 5 draft. So... Isaac, we got to get into the future right fielder that we're going to be seeing at guaranteed right field, um, and I'm, I might even add a bonus. We might even see a Yokiel um mm. come up. You know, that's a possibility to add to that depth in the outfield. But the name I'm thinking of really impressed me the way he moved through the minor league system. His numbers in Charlotte, right when he got there, were impressive. Oscar Colas out uh, of Cuba. He's a left-handed bat, so. You already added a lefty in Benintendi, Victor Reyes, who I think is an interesting depth player choice, given he's a switch hitter. I, you know, like we talked about, he does bring some interesting traits to this White Sox team. He's familiar with the AL Central. How do you feel about Colas in right field next year? Do you, do you see him making it uh, through minor league uh, camp and spring training and uh, making it onto that major
1: league roster as a rookie? Well, you know, if you look at the roster now, there's only about three outfielders that you can say are on the team, and right now it feels like uh, one of them you're going to hope plays DH most of the time, since you've just signed a left fielder to replace him. Uh, so it feels like right field's more than wide open, unless, as I've kind of already talked about, the nightmare of having Gavin Sheets play a lot more right field. So I think his coloss is almost all to lose right now, unless they add uh, another minor free agent, uh, not minor league, but you know, a small signing of a right field hand. Who knows, maybe they can get, get A.J. Pollock back on a smaller-term deal. You, you, obviously, he opted out of his player contract, but if he's not getting the money he wants, goes back to somewhere where he's comfortable, he's going to get consistent playing time. and uh, you know, But uh, More than Pollock, there's a lot of guys that are available. Uh, I, I, I would, I'd be excited about it. I think everyone could be and would be. I think there was a lot of hype behind Colas uh, way back, because he was a guy that was signed to the White Sox almost a year before it was announced that he had signed with the White Sox. Uh, so there was a lot of hype behind it. it just kind of got really spread out, elongated. I remember at a point it was talked about as the Cuban Otani. Uh, obviously, he's fallen away from the pitching side so uh, as much. But if he can, I'm more than excited to let a guy that's, you know, young, youthful and can play defensively out there and right uh, to get the opportunity. But saving defensive runs, especially by adding a guy like Benintendi into left uh a former gold glover uh if you can get that same production or even better out of out of a youthful guy in right in kolos who has showed towards the end of last season especially that he's got a lot of power in his bat and a very active bat uh yeah i i'd be i, I don't know you know you can be inherently excited about it now in terms of expectations of what he's actually going to produce it's, it's tough you a guy like Andrew Vaughn was a very highly touted uh, offense prospect, had a lot of good spots of highlights in his rookie year, but ultimately he didn't have a great rookie year. Last year very much took a step forward, but didn't have what a lot of people would consider a traditionally great offensive year, but, very much show, showed spots of potential, especially early on in the season, coming up in big spots and getting big hits for the ball club. So, you know, in terms of him being a rookie and actually adding to the lineup, not so sure. In terms of his ability to play defense, I would be more than excited to see what he can do in terms of what we had there last year.
2: Yeah, no, I think he brings a lot of good elements. While we have you here, one more final question. Again, Isaac Missel joining us on episode 70 of Will's decor special, fifth anniversary edition. Pleasure to have him here with us talking White Sox baseball in the off-season as it stands currently. There's still a lot of off-season left, Isaac, and I'm sure starting in the new year we'll see more trades circulate, as Rick Hahn predicted. You know, they want to be active in the trade market. You know, I think a Lucas Giolito trade is a possibility, given there's still some starters out there. Lucas in a contract here, kind of butting heads a little bit with the organization. Um, He's probably going to get paid next year. We're hearing Liam Hendricks could go to the New York Mets and, seeing what they did last night, that shocker of Correa, I could see that the White Sox considering that as a possibility, um, given Ronaldo could be a, a closer option or Graven. Um What type of st- stuff do you see coming up here, you know, for second base, for pitching, any trades, any certain guys? While we have you here finishing up here, what's kind of on your mind in those areas?
1: Well, uh it's weird if you've added a guy. I, I was very much in terms down for a trade in terms of uh, not spending. So once you had a guy like Ben Benintendi, it feels like well, I don't really want to take away from what the team had. Obviously, he's not a big power bat. They needed power, and your best way of doing that would be to trade one of your guys. I, but the issue, I think your best uh, source would be probably a Liam Hendricks trade. Uh, the Mets did give Edwin Diaz a big contract. Obviously, it takes multiple good arms and a bullpen to go far. But if if that's true for you, then it should be true for the Mets. And are you trying to rebuild? Are you, well, obviously, you're not. But if you're, if you're trying to compete, then I wouldn't be trading away your good assets to teams that have already added eight hundred million dollars worth of good assets this off season. Uh, even if they are in the other league, it feels like what would be the point if if they're going to end up winning one hundred twenty games and running through the entire league at the rate that it seems like they could? I don't want to call the World Series over at this point, but. They're a good team that's added only great players to the roster, including Correa last night in a shocker. So uh, it's uh, – I would I would at this point want to hold on to the guys they have. It's interesting you bring up Giolito. The only issue I would have with that is a team would have to very much think they're going to get out of him what he was before and ultimately you only get that for one season before you'd have to pay him. So I don't know if you would get such a great prospect call or, a great return in that one at all, or more or less just a, a team that would have to be buying high on a guy they thought they could be getting. Um, yeah, if, if, and if you're looking at terms of trading starters, it's, yeah, I don't, a guy that at least kind of looked pretty decent last year and young and so far projected to be only your fifth starter would be Kopech. Obviously a lot more service time with him just recently getting like his first full year of major league service underneath his belt. So trading him, you would hope you would get a lot in return and, Ultimately, my whole stance on trading since you've added Ben and is to uh, stand pat with the team that you have. If you think your team is going to be decent, I, then I wouldn't trade probably your best bullpen, not even probably your guaranteed best bullpen arm, because uh, then you're really relying on a guy like Joe Kelly to really turn it around. Obviously, Kendall Graveman's still there. The bullpen's still a strength, even if you do trade uh, Hendricks, and that's probably the idea of adding as many arms as they did last year. With the idea that they could trade Hendricks this offseason, I think just unfortunately with how they played last year and how these good teams that are willing that are going to be willing to add that payroll that uh, Hendricks includes because it is more than just this year, it is another option year next year and or uh, deferred payments how it is for the White Sox currently. But uh, if he pitches how he did last year, I have no reason to believe they wouldn't extend his option and just have him on for a fourth year. So. It's it's weird. I I I would get it I, if you traded Hendricks. I would want a really really big return, at least in terms of uh, a, a pizzazz. You're giving away what has been one of the best closers. I think even if you just count the elongated stretches of like the last, you know, four or five full seasons in Liam Hendricks, that's yeah, you know, it's even better than what you're getting out of Edwin Diaz, as good as he was last year. Edwin Diaz a couple of years ago was considered a guy that might not be the back of the rotation, back of the bullpen guy for the Mets. So if you're trading a guy like Hendricks, he's going to also, I believe, want to be the closer, um, and you're going to want to get a big return in, in 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 favor. So, you know, maybe it seems like the Phillies that really, really needs that. Maybe you can get, you know, swing a, a big trade for, uh, I don't know, what are the highest prospects are, maybe one of the young infielders. Because um, obviously if you're in the AL <laughs> West, right, or I'm sorry, the NL East right now is kind of the opposite of what I was trying to say there. If you're the NL East right now, though, you got to be really scared of what the Mets are trying to do and what they've been doing and the fact that the Phillies were the team that was actually in the World Series last year who have also added a guy like Trey Turner. So if if he's getting traded, I'd imagine it goes to the NL East. It feels like everyone's trying to compete there, maybe the Braves, because they do have the deepest uh, prospect pool, I would imagine, out of all those teams, and I would feel the most comfortable getting a return out of them. Um, they also let go of Kenley Jansen, and I don't think they're not going to want to be competitive as they've traded for Sean Murphy and added some other guys recently. So I I, I, I would imagine that, um, you know, if it happens, I, I you know, hopefully it's, there's a few teams that are really trying to get in on them and, you know, really making the pot sweet for the White Sox. But if you're not getting a really sweet pot in return, I don't think it's worth damaging your bullpen like it would.
2: Isaac Missel, Wilson Score Special fans, episode 70. Isaac, pleasure to have you on. You're a good friend of the show. Uh, we want to wish you, a, a, from all of us here at Will Score Special, and the fans, we wish you all a uh, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, and we hope to have you on again coming up here in 2023. Uh, thanks again, and uh, we wish you nothing but the best moving forward, buddy.
1: Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Will. Uh, best to you, too, and congratulations on five years.
3: Host Will Farlow here with you on episode seventy. That was our interview with Isaac Missile. Isaac brought in some really good insights, so it was a pleasure to have him on uh this special fifth anniversary edition here at Will's Course Special. And you know, he's right. The you know, trading is gonna be difficult for the White Sox if you want to keep certain good players on your team, but sometimes you need to take a risk. So I do think trading Liam Hendricks might be the right move for this team. So we will see uh, what happens. Now we're heading into the favorite ending segment of the show everyone enjoys. It's Will's Sports Movie Moment. We all have our favorite moments, not just in the sports we watch, but in our own favorite sports movies. This segment gives myself, my guest host, and our listeners at home a chance to pick their favorite moment from their favorite sports movie and compare it to modern day sports. Listeners can hop onto the podcast Facebook and profile and Twitter page and post their own sports movie moment favorite along in our Twitch chats during our live streams during pre-recording sessions for a chance to have him read on future Will's 5th quarter special episodes. So we're going to head into my movie moment choice for this 5th year anniversary edition here on episode 70. And it's the movie Invincible uh, about Vince Papali, Philadelphia Eagles back in the 70s. And the scene is when Dick Vermeil is talking to his team. Dick Vermeil, former college coach coming into the NFL for the first time in this time period. Uh, he's talking about Losing, You know, he he gives the definition of losing. You know, it means to be diminished, um, reduced, and he talks about how this team has been diminished, tested, and reduced. No more. Starting today, we're going to shake off these shoulder pads. We're going to work hard, and we are going to become winners. And he says, I play no favorites, none. Free agent, draft pick, I don't care. You show me how you do on the field shows how you belong on this team. And that compares really well to the, what the White Sox are hopefully going to do. Um, you know, Dick Vermeil had a lot of energy. He was very charismatic. He had a really good hard work ethic that he passed on to his team and building that into confidence. You know, that Philadelphia Eagles team at the time wasn't doing very well. And they needed the right guy at the, um, you know, to captain their ship. And the White Sox hopefully have that. And Pedro Griffo, former Kansas City Royals bench coach, now the manager of your Chicago White Sox, a new the revamped coaching staff. And, you know, they're trying to do more prep in the beginning of games. They're going to start trying to work on that here in the offseason. He's interacted with players to trying to stress that. And this compares really well to the White Sox, this scene in Invincible. You know, with Vince Papali, his framework of a player is similar to current players on the White Sox trying to get better, like Grandal and Tim Anderson, Eloy, Robert, Vaughn, Dylan Cease, and some of our newcomers on the south side of Chicago, and Andrew Benintendi, Mike Clevenger, some of those uh, catching prospects that Isaac and I talked about, and also Victor Reyes, and any other players they might bring on. They're trying to bring in the right guys to this clubhouse to help this team out in the right way. And that scene from Invincible really compares, um, you know, the matters of just Dick Vermeil and Pedro Griffal being pretty similar in terms of characteristics, as well as Vince Papali being mirrored in these current White Sox players, both current players and incoming players uh, that were just brought into the team. So it's just a matter of, it's just a matter of, you know, being able to put the right foot forward from the beginning, and then you just continue that, hopefully in the right direction. So if you haven't seen Invincible, it's definitely a movie you need to check out. That is my Will's sports movie moment choice. So that is all the time we have in episode 70 of Will's fifth quarter special. Tune in next time as I will continue to cover all things Chicago Cubs and Chicago White Sox in their offseason as it continues to unfold. We'll also continue to cover all things in the regular season for the Chicago Bears, the Chicago Bulls, and the offseason of the Chicago Sky. Tune in to all our collegiate coverage, big time and small, as it happens and unfolds. We will cover it as it happens. And you can tune in to our Illinois State Redbird Athletics coverage, as always, on our Redbird Sports Update episodes. I want to uh, acknowledge those that tuned in to our first-ever Twitch live stream. Appreciate you guys tuning into the pre-recording of the episode. We'll hope to continue to do more live streams and pre-recording live streams as this show's future continues to unfold as well. I want to thank our guests on Episode 70 here this afternoon, Isaac Missel and Nick Landy, for their time and uh, continued support of the fifth quarter sports talk, we're all about being grateful this holiday season here at Will's Sports Passion. We appreciate all guests that have been on the show to this point, those of you that support it. So thank you, Isaac and Nick, for uh, coming on. And we hope to have you on again soon. When the fourth quarter buzzer sounds, you turn to us for your fifth quarter sports talk. I'm your host Will Farrell, along with our guests Isaac Missile, Nick Landy, saying Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We'll see you on the next episode, maybe before 2023. You'll have to find out and see. So long from Will's 5th Quarter Special.
2: To continue to hear your 5th Quarter Sports Talk, you can check out all of Will's 5th Quarter Specials on our new website at wills dot com. Get on in, join the sports conversation, share any opinions or thoughts on all things sports Head to the Twitter page at William D. Farlow and share it with us with the hashtag Will's Fifth Quarter Special. The fifth quarter. The fifth quarter. The fifth quarter. The fifth quarter never stops here at Will's Fifth Quarter Special.